The Psalms, where we find our scripture for this morning, the Psalms are divided into three major categories. There are Psalms of orientation. These Psalms talk about who God is and the relationship between God and God's creation, and specifically, the relationship between God and God's people. These Psalms are often known as Psalms of praise, giving thanks and celebration to God. Then there are Psalms of disorientation, Psalms that cry out to God, often reflecting feelings of abandonment, of deep sorrow and longing. One Psalm reads, O God, I cry to you night and day, but you do not listen. Or famously, the Psalm that Jesus used as a source of comfort and conviction as he cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then the third type, there are psalms of reorientation that speak about how after times of trial, God and God's people are reunited, finding each other both anew and changed. These psalms were written for the Jewish people, telling of corporate or communal experiences of orientation, disorientation, and reorientation, of their victories and their defeats, their communal sorrows and frustrations, their joys and celebrations. And then in our world, now these communal expressions are also deeply needed. We can see ways that These communal expressions are needed as women march on streets demanding a better world, as activists gather at the border working for medical care and basic needs for immigrants and refugees, as climate activists walk halls of power working to change systems. There are ways of manifesting the Psalms in our modern day. But the Psalms have also been used over time to reflect an individual's own experience with faith, our own personal orientation toward God, our own celebration of God's wonder, maybe in the birth of a grandchild or in the wonders that we see in our natural world. The Psalms also personally describe periods of disorientation, the dark nights of our souls, our losses and our pains, our grief, and our sorrow. And the Psalms describe reorientation, how we too, each of us, after our own wildernesses, so find ourselves coming back to God. So often we think ourselves solely in one of these three moments of orientation, disorientation, or reorientation. It's similar to how we often view ourselves as experiencing only one concrete emotion within the experience of our lives. When we're teaching little ones to articulate their feelings, we'll often ask, oh, well, how do you feel about that? And they'll answer, oh, I'm happy, or I'm sad. We we limit ourselves to this false either-or dichotomy. But what if the truth in the Psalms and within our lives is so much more complicated and complex? And more often than not, if we're honest with ourselves, we often feel a little bit of both. 
A reading from Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit out of the merry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust, who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false gods. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. Were I to proclaim and tell of them, they would be more than can be counted. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, here I am, in the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. See, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your saving help within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Do not, O Lord, withhold your mercy from me. Let your steadfast love and your faithfulness keep me safe forever. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Amen. Would you please pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be glorified in your sight, for you, O God, are our rock, and you are our redeemer. Amen. When I was a little girl, I was taught how to navigate the Bible through the Psalms. Now, I have to confess, it wasn't through the power of the Psalms or the importance of the words found within the Psalms specifically. I must confess that I rarely stopped to actually read those words. But for me, they were a means through which to find another book. See, the Psalms are located right in the middle. And so if you open your Bible to the middle section, you'll often find your Psalms through which you can flip ahead to the wisdom and the prophets and the New Testament, or you can flip back to the wisdom of the Hebrew Bible. I remember my father teaching me this lesson. I'm sure with a few eye rolls involved on my part. But I wonder if there was an unintended wisdom in this lesson that my father taught me, that the Psalms are truly a way to navigate to locate ourselves in relationship to the world and to the universe, to one another, and even to ourselves. From the time of humanity, from the time humanity's most basic needs were able to be met, when we weren't worried about the essentials of food and shelter and safety, and I assume or suspect that even before these most basic needs were fulfilled, Humanity has always searched for some sort of larger meaning, creating mythologies that navigate our place among the universe, telling of the role of humanity and of God. And to this day, we make mythologies that navigate and locate who we are in relationship to others, to the world, and to God. 
It's funny how thousands of years of human evolution, after all these years, family gatherings around holidays aren't that much different from human gatherings seen throughout time as we tell the stories of who and whose we are. We tell the stories that put us in and make the relationships with those we love. We tell these stories to serve a purpose. See, they create a narrative and a system in which we find a role to play and a fit, a place of belonging. Just as we find within the first part of this psalm today, as the psalmist tells a tale of reorientation to God, giving praise and thanks to God. But what's fascinating in this psalm and in many of our own lives is we tell these stories. We tell the stories of praise. We tell stories of successes and triumphs. We tell stories of joy and we tell stories where it all works out and there's a happy ending and we can put a neat little bow on top. The creators of the lectionary chose this passage intentionally, selecting these specific verses so that every three years in the lectionary rotation of scripture, they would be read and studied in Protestant and Catholic congregations. They curated scripture, just as we curate the stories of our own lives. And I'm sure that the creators of the lectionary worked with open hearts to God's listening to God's still speaking voice. But I cannot help but wonder if in this something was lost and that these carefully crafted tales, if these carefully crafted tales really tell the truth. See, if we just go a few verses further in this psalm, this hymn of praise turns into a hymn of petition of desolation and despair, of crying and calling out to God, Lord, make haste to help me. Things, after all, are rarely as perfect as they seem. We, or at least I was, and maybe you were too, we're enculturated to put our best foot forward, to hide what is uncomfortable or inconvenient, to change the narrative, creating more appropriate stories. I wonder, though, if there's wisdom in the structure of Psalm 40, not as it's selected in the lectionary, but as it exists in the Bible, intentionally putting these two parts together, this praise and petition not existing in isolation, but belonging with and to one another. Psalm 40 is not divided into part one, Psalm 40 of adoration, and Psalm 41 of abandonment. But it's placed together an affirmation that these two parts speak to a larger whole. These two pieces belong together. And isn't that so often the truth within our lives, too? It's not just one feeling or emotion or experience. It's not just the either or, but it's often a little bit of both. By denying this reality, 
and claiming that our praise and thanksgiving, our lamentation and suffering are divided, it denies our true nature, and simply, it's not the truth. As the saying goes, the truth will set you free. But as David Foster Wallace adds, not until it's done with you. That's what God wants. God does not want your pretty picture of pretend. But God wants hard, uncomfortable, inconvenient honesty. After we're told in the Gospel of John by Christ that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth, honesty, is an essential part of being a person of faith. It is so important to offer the truth about who we are, both to ourselves and to the world. Because it is in knowing our truth, our messy, complicated, uncomfortable truths, it's in that that we encounter God. Saint Augustine offered this prayer when he said, grant me, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. Or John Calvin, one of the great Protestant reformers, said it this way. He said, without the knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. So how do we, how do we, like the psalmist here in Psalm 40, how do we let ourselves truly come to know ourselves in all of our complexity? where both praise and lamentation can coexist? How do we break the sleep that many of us fall into in life, repeating the patterns of behavior that mystify us and can create hurt both to ourselves and others? How do we wake up with honesty and integrity, not to the shiny versions of ourselves, but the authentic ones? My husband Dan and I, have created a phrase within our marriage called Groundhog Day Fights. This might not be familiar, you all might be more developed than we are, but we often find ourselves about quarterly having the same fight. The issue might be a little bit different, maybe it's that I didn't put my work bag away or I, for <laughs> or I forgot to do some sort of thing, but we, we find ourselves repeating the same pattern over and over. There's an issue and then a conflict and then resolution. We find ourselves recognizing that maybe we could just skip ahead to the end. And I wonder how often, if we're honest with ourselves, we find ourselves in those patterns of behavior where something is said and we respond. And what if we just moved ahead to the end where grace and forgiveness can happen? But first, to do that, you have to be honest. Flannery O'Connor writes that to know oneself above all is to know what one lacks. It's to measure oneself against, she writes, the capital T truth and not the other way around. The first product of self-knowledge is humility. See, I think many of us, or at least sometimes I feel called to try to live up to this standard of perfection. But what if instead of feeling like we had to live up to perfection, what if we believed that we were called to practice and to presence? 
In the early 80s, U2 and critically acclaimed Irish rock band that my brother affectionately calls my college girl music, <laughs> they released an album that was entitled War. On that album, there's a song, 40. Now some suspect that the title for this song comes from the amount of time the band was given. 10 minutes to write, 10 minutes to compose the melody, 10 minutes to record, and 10 minutes to proof the song. In a time-limited recording section, the song was created in 40 minutes. But lead singer Bono wrote the song as a reflection of this psalm, Psalm 40. Its words are directly taken from the text reflecting this hymn of praise. And it's become a song that ends many of their concerts as one by one members of the band slowly leave the stage, their lead singer left alone with the refrain. But the song, like the psalm, and like our lives, is more than just praise. The refrain at the end echoes an earlier song from the album entitled Sunday Bloody Sunday, where the band writes about the loss of life during the conflict or the troubles between Protestants and Catholics in Ireland, which claimed too many lives. The refrain echoes how long to sing this new song. May we use the words of this psalm, this song, to navigate, to find our truth, our messy, confused truth. May we use the psalm to break the dichotomy of either or and realize that all of us are a little bit of both. May we do the work of letting go of an expectation of perfection and embrace the practice of presence in our lives so that we may no longer sleepwalk through our lives but live fully and deeply as we are and so that we can make space for others to do the same. May it be so for you and for me as well. Amen.